Mindfulness Mode 74. I have been someone who has battled suicide ideation, suicidal behavior, and depression. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for listening to Mindfulness Mode. As a thank you, I have some free, easy meditations called Fine-Tune Your Focus 5-Step Challenge. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash focus. Enter your name and email, and I'll send you five videos with audio tracks for meditating, clearing your mind, and getting focused. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Timothy Lawson on the line today. Hey, Timothy, are you in mindfulness mode? I am absolutely in mindfulness mode. That's great. Timothy Lawson is founder of Lawson Entertainment, where he works as a broadcaster and producer of shows of various descriptions, from themes about comedy all the way to suicide. His background in broadcast journalism and his strong people skills contribute to his business success. Tim strongly believes in mindfulness as a way to increase his productivity and help maintain emotional well-being in his personal life. He also spent five years serving in the United States Marine Corps, giving him excellent training and life experience, which he applies to his career. So, Tim, what does mindfulness mean to you? Uh you know, it's, it's that's such a great question because I feel like it's ever-evolving. Uh, you know, the answer to that, that question uh, probably would have been different a month ago if you'd asked me. Um, but in, in my current state, I think mindfulness is just uh, awareness and, um, and steadiness of the, of the present being. I like that answer. Awareness and steadiness. People don't always say the word steadiness, and that's a great word to to put in there with mindfulness. So to be steady in your life, how do you achieve that? It's um it's you know, I, I got a I got a small television that takes phone calls sitting on my left. I have this uh, in my, my laptop in front of me. I got pl- things plugged in all over the place and devices are, are within arm's reach, I feel like, all the time, which makes everything so distracting. And, and mindfulness is, uh, at least in, in, in March of 2016, is, uh, is being aware that all these things are pulling from my attention um, and Tell and reminding myself that they are not in control of me. The other, not only just the devices, but the people that are trying to influence me through these these outlets um, are not true influencers on myself or my time. And I am in control of how those things consume me, what I consume, how they influence me, and how I influence. And uh, that's sort of that's how I try on a daily basis to not get sucked down any certain wormhole um, of busyness and noise and distraction. Because um, as anybody knows, especially when you're when you're trying to podcast on top of regular life, uh, as soon as you let two or three days sort of get out of hand uh, and out of your control, it's difficult to not only recollect yourself, but recollect your mind. 
Well, that's for sure. And with your training in broadcast journalism, I'm just wondering, did you practice mindfulness way back when you were studying or was it a gradual process? When did mindfulness become part of what you do? I think mindfulness really became um, a part of what I do in my last year in the Marine Corps. I started um, I started reading more on productivity. I started doing things that were better for my body that was maybe uh, less conventional in the Marine Corps. So I started doing yoga and stuff like that, which was pretty unheard of uh, for Marines at the time. And that, you know, it, it was sort of like a Pandora's box. Once I had learned one of these things and entered the, uh, you know, entered these realms where people are talking about it, uh, it got, it just was all over the place. And I got, you know, I started reading books and I started listening to podcasts. I started talking to just, just talking with people about what do you do to be more mindful? What do you do to, um, to be more aware and steady learning about, learning about stoicism and, uh, mind and, and meditation, obviously. Uh, and it's been a, I mean, man, it's been like a five year journey of trying to discover not only what works, but what works best for me. And then what, what is the best way to implement those things into my life? Right. Well, you know, I know you had a challenging time in your teens with a health situation. Tell us, tell us, can you tell us a story about that and whether maybe mindfulness played a role in how you dealt with it? And maybe you didn't think of it as mindfulness back then, but maybe it was just a way of, of dealing with your challenge. Yeah, so when I was 17 years old, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer, mm. and it's um, it's it's quite the news to get when you're a senior in high school. Oh yeah, uh, as, you know, and yeah, at the time, you know, I couldn't. If to ask me what mindfulness was, uh, I would have given you a blank stare and just mm-hmm. shrugged my shoulders. Um, but reflecting on sort of how I dealt with it, I was definitely. Um, you know, I was more in the present then, but not it wasn't even in like one of these stereotypical like, oh, I just I was so grateful for life. I was like cancer is just what I was doing at the time. Like that's just what my life was. And every and so when I wasn't doing that, I was so into what I was doing outside of it that there were no other distractions. Um, whereas now I could be doing one thing thinking about two others and then just ha- and then feeling like there's three other things I should be doing that I'm not um at that time it was if I'm at the hospital I'm at the hospital and if I'm not at the hospital or not doing something cancer related I'm doing what that thing is and it was just because everything was so routine everything was focused on run this one idea this one uh, objective of defeating cancer that the breaks that I got from it were just, I was so hyper-focused on enjoying those things. Uh, and again, it wasn't even, like I had a 95% success rate coming out of that situation. So I, I didn't even think about death or anything like that stuff didn't even like, come to mind. Uh, I was like, all right, well, it's, I have cancer, it's time to defeat it. Uh, but I was so just into everything else because uh, life had one focus. And when I, when I was done doing that and I was outside of it, I was, just into whatever I was doing, whether it was I was breakdancing at the time still, uh, you know, I was hanging out with friends. We, you know, we'd go to the movies, stuff like that. And I was just so there. Wow. How inspiring. I mean, that really is. Take us to the moment when you learned, when you found out you're in high school, you must have gone for an appointment or something. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, I, I was actually it was uh it was a normal weekday morning getting ready for school and I came out of the shower and I was sort of stretching and stuff and I noticed this golf ball sized lump that was like on the like sort of underneath my that it seemed like it come from underneath my collarbone. Uh it had to have because I had never seen it before and it was big enough to where I should have seen it uh, you know, in days prior. And I was sort of poking at it like yeah. that's weird. Yeah. And then I look on my look on the other side and I was like, Oh, that's not over there. That's that's only on the one side. Yeah. Uh and so I, I went to my mom and I was like, Mom, I think I got some- I got a problem here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, my mom trying to be – she's like, oh, you know, it's probably just a cyst. Probably just a cyst. And I could see her already trying to justify or trying to reason with yeah. with what's going on. So my mom quickly made an appointment for me to get it checked out. Mm-hmm. They they did a an, an ultrasound on it to see what they could learn from that on what the, what was the, the lump was. They determined it wasn't a cyst. And, like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, this, this must be cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom – you know, tried to hang on to the idea that maybe it was benign or a growth, some other growth or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. There's something I just, I mean, maybe I was ready. Maybe I was just trying to prepare myself to accept or maybe there is sort of intuition into my own body. But uh, I sort of accepted uh, after the ultrasound when they said it wasn't a cyst. I was like, well, it must be cancer. And it was, you know, everybody else took it pretty badly. Um, I think I took it pretty well considering, uh, uh, you know, it's, it was a pretty standard surgery. They just cut out the tumor, and then uh, I had to go through a few cycles of chemo and radiation, which um, when you're 17 isn't fun, but your body can tolerate it a lot better than I think, you know, if I had been in my 60s or 70s. Right. So I'm very grateful to have been able to have a strong body that could, um, you know, they were able to give me the doses at the highest level necessary to be effective you know they didn't have to you know dial it back at all right. uh, for a weaker body so i i am i'm really thankful that uh, that i was able to just sort of plow through that uh that time in my life and you know it, it made i mean my senior year is so much more memorable because of it you know i i don't my memory isn't great um mm-hmm. but i i do remember uh that year of my life pretty well because there's so many uh, succinct memories attached to attached to stuff simply just because of what was going on in my life. Wow, you really that's interesting your description of plowing through it. You just didn't even look sideways, you didn't look behind you, you just plowed through it. And even though you didn't really know what mindfulness was, you were just focused on just moving forward. You didn't yeah. uh, focus on what might happen, it doesn't sound like. You just were very positive. So that's that's amazing. So Tim, do you meditate? And if you do, can you tell us about your personal meditation practice? Uh, I do meditate. Um, my, I haven't, I haven't gotten into the, into a perfect morning routine yet, but when I, when I think of it or when I'm not rushed, I definitely, uh, put it into my morning. Um, I've, I find that I'm best at following a guided meditation, um, versus trying to direct myself through meditation. And I think it's, um, it's much easier for me to, um, when I'm following the lead of a guided meditation, it's much easier for me to dismiss the idea that I should be doing something else uh, because I have someone that's, that's guiding me through this. Versus when I'm trying to uh, when I'm trying to conduct my own meditation uh, with no guidance, um, there's it's 
I struggle with that a little bit more and I, I get into that paradox of trying to relax. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, anybody who's ever tried to relax understands that it's a, it's a complete paradox. Yeah. Um, so uh, I do, you know, I, I, I do both uh, depending on how I feel, but I always default to the guided meditation, especially um, if I'm feeling anxious or pressured or rushed or anything like that. I know it's the easiest way for me to, to get into uh, a more mindful state. And I I simply use it to control the mind right away. The first two the first two things I do in the morning are make my bed and do the dishes. Mm-hmm. And those two and those are set like that because I want to declutter my area. I want to have control over the first two things that I do in the day, knowing that there's going to be success. Um, the the water from the dishes sort of slowly warms or sort of uh, slowly wakes up my nerves and my and my body and stuff. Um, I can start thinking about my day. But as those by the time I'm done doing the dishes, I'm already aware of the hundreds of things that I should probably do that day. And so to go into the first real task of my day, um, I will sit down and meditate for uh, probably at least ten minutes. Some I try to I try to get it to twenty. Um, if, uh, if my morning schedule, I have early classes, so sometimes 10 minutes is all I have, but it's meant to, now that my body is sort of exer- like f- sort of, uh, done a flash of the thumbnail stuff that I should be doing that day. Um, I sit down and meditate to sort of reset, take control of it again and go into that first task with hundred percent focus. Well, thanks for sharing your routine with us. It's it's really interesting because everybody has a different routine. And that one yep. with the dishes, I kind of feel the same way. I mentioned that in a podcast recently where doing dishes for me is kind of mindful. And it just kind of helps me get my thoughts together sometimes. So I, I can certainly relate to you on that one. Now, I want to change the subject entirely, Tim. I want okay, to talk, let's do it. Yeah, I want to talk about the subject of suicide because I know that's something that you talk about a lot. You talk with, with some of your um, interviewees about that. And it sounds like you probably have a lot of expertise in that area. But what's your expertise in suicide as it relates to mindfulness? So this is where I'm probably the most mindful um, is with my emotional states. And this is where I've truly learned to become mindful. Uh, before I started applying mindfulness to suicidal behavior, emotional distress, depression, stuff like that, I always thought mindfulness was just simply carpe diem or the 10 minutes that you meditate out of the day. But applying it to really understanding who I am emotionally and what's happening to me emotionally really helped me understand what it meant to, what it means to be mindful. I have been someone who has battled suicide ideation, suicidal behavior and depression um, for a number of reasons. And just in the past, I want to say 18 months, and it may even be a stretch to give it that much time, I have been able to dodge those sorts of crises by being mindful of what's happening to me. And it's as simple as I'm having a bad day. I'm starting to get into, get into a bad mood. Being mindful of that early into the stage of being into a bad mood, not trying to battle it. I don't try to dodge it, sort of like meditating. You know, like when you have a thought, you just sort of let it pass and let it exist. Yeah. Um, and in sort of the same way, I, I notice that I'm – I'm doubting myself or I'm angry about something or I'm just sad, you know, like, and I noticed it. I just sort of watch it happen. I watch how it makes me feel. I try to, I try to see if I can identify a root. Um, and then once the feeling sort of either 
fully happens or passes by, whatever, I try to see, well, what about my day might have caused this? And sometimes it's simple of, oh, I haven't eaten in five hours. I'm probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I should probably put some food in my body or, oh, I haven't left my apartment in 24 hours. I should mm-hmm. probably go outside and take a walk. And being, a, being mindful of what my body is experiencing physically and emotionally and spiritually, I've been able to be mindful about it and applying the solutions that I know that help and that help uh, solve those problems. So whether, you know, like, oh, I need to eat or I need to. And if, and if those things don't work, I just chalk it up to I'm just having one of those days. And I've been a lot more vocal about it. I've been, my, you know, one too many. My my outlet for veteran suicide has given me an opportunity to blog about these situations. I um, about a year ago, I came. I had a, a weekend where I was just down and out and started experiencing suicide ideation again. And I went through that process of eating and sleeping, and I was like, I need to do these things to get, to get back to where I need to be. And it wasn't working, and so I just went on my on one too many and just wrote about how man, I'm still, I'm contemplating suicide again. This is something that I'm still experiencing. And just that process helps me understand that, oh, it's okay to like go through this process as long as I identify that that's what's happening and know that I, that there is, there is, uh, I don't want to say normalness, but like, I don't have to experience, experience this when it's done, like this will end. Uh, and so being, having that outlet, being mindful of all those experiences and knowing how to apply the solutions to my life has been biggest place for mindfulness in my life. Wow, incredible. And you know what? You can help so many people and you are helping so many people through your your podcast, One Too Many Veteran Suicide, right? Yep. Yeah. So check it out, Mindful Tribe, because it's a very, very powerful podcast. Let's talk about the podcast you do that has to do with comedy. Tell us about laughing and comedy and how that helps you and how you're mindful about that. Uh, yeah, so um, a friend of mine, Brandon Johnson, and I, uh, we started doing a podcast a couple years ago called Tim and Brandon's Bromance at Comedy. Um, and it kind of it came from us wanting to do a podcast together. We had moved from we had we were living in the same area. We had separated, and we wanted to do something that kept kept us involved in each other's lives. I was a podcaster, and I was like, "Hey, let's just do a podcast together," because that's my solution to everything now. As a podcaster, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like, "Hey, I wanna I wanna travel." I started a traveling podcast. I have a dog. I should have a dog podcast. Uh, and so we started doing a podcast called Tim and Brandon's Romantic Comedy. It went through several waves of 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 it went through several evolutions i should say uh where it used to just be a you know hit the record button chat and publish uh and then we started doing segments and then we started doing daily shorts and stuff like that and then unfortunately uh brandon brandon and i schedule didn't really match up we had to sort of discontinue the show but it's funny you bring it up today because later in just a few hours him and i are hit are getting back together to do sort of a special edition podcast because we recognize this is something we really miss in our lives. This was this was built in comedy for our day. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, both of us are, are funny people. We're fun loving. And so we naturally sort of we, we have t- uh, in our own lives, we have ways to like laugh and stuff. But we know that this that, that hour together uh, it was so good for us emotionally. There'd be so many times where uh, we would even force ourselves into it. Like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't do a podcast today. 
And then we'd hit record, we'd start talking, and by the end of it, we're, 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 we're not even breathing uh, <laughs> regularly because we're laughing so hard. And we're like, you know what? That was so great that we got a chance to do that. And it's made... Um, you know, I watch, uh, this is, a, I think, one level further down on talking about this, on how good comedy is and, and, and how good this uh, podcast that I do with Brandon is. Uh, you know, I watch celebrities that, ha- that, are, that have opportunity for creative control do things with their friends, do things with their family members. And even if they're not blockbuster hits, even if they're not popular with the fans, stuff like that, I know how valuable it is to be able to have a product and be like, I did that, like me and so-and-so did that. And it means so much to me that we have this thing that we did together. Um, and so that's, that's after a while, that's what Tim and Brandon's romantic comedy became, was like, that's, that's what me and Brandon did. And it's fun. You know, we do a show, we do an episode now probably once a quarter uh, for our, you know, just for fun and for the five fans that still listen every when we do it. But um, that's really, and it's in... That has made me mindful into how valuable uh, friendship is. Because I can, if if you don't mind, uh, I can segue into another uh, area that I've become extremely mindful. Of course, yeah, go for it. Is friendship. Uh-huh. Back in, I, I don't know what year it was, sometime about 10 years or probably five or six years ago, I read something online or somewhere. I'm assuming it's on the internet because where else do I read? <laughs> and I I saw something that said the average friendship lasts three to five years. And at the time of reading it, of course, I'm, I was in my young, I was in my low 20s and I was like, oh, that's whatever. Me and my friends will be friends forever. Mm-hmm. And then I hit 30 and realized all of the friends that I had in that moment aren't really around anymore. Right. And not and not by their own faults, but that's just what, how life works. You sure. go, you grow distant of each other. You move. You do stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it made me when I realized that I, I immediately was more grateful for the friendships that I had right now, and more mindful of which ones I want to continue to nourish and enjoy while they're in their prime. And it's made me a better decision maker on my time. When people are like, "Hey, we should go grab a drink sometime." I actually think, is this someone that, like, does this someone have a three or five year friendship timeline? Is this someone that, is this a friendship or relationship that I really want to nourish? Or is that, is that time better off spent in my relationship, which I hope to be a very much long term thing, or with another friend who, whose friendship with, with me needs more nourishment and needs more attention? And recognizing the value of friendships and the true small window of time relatively that you have with with people and making sure that I'm spending the right time with the right people for the right reasons. Yeah, this is great, Tim. And uh, Mindful Tribe, you know, we haven't heard anything about friendship and mindfulness. And so, Tim, I'm so glad you're sharing this with us because... You know, friendship, it's really an important part of our lives. So why shouldn't we be applying mindfulness concepts to the idea of friendships and building good, strong friendships with people that we consciously want to spend the time with? So thanks for sharing that with us, Tim. And, uh, you know, I've, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference in that area. Do you have a story about a bullying situation you could share with us and maybe mindfulness had an effect? Well, I was uh, I was really fortunate to not um, 
to not really be around bullying. Mm-hmm. One of my, my friends, uh, um, his name is Edwin. Um, he's a he's a rapper actually up in New York, and a Marine. One of his songs was about being bullying about about bullying and being bullied as a kid, and listening to him talk about his experience and talking about how hyper aware he was of what what that was doing to him at emotionally at the time and why he wouldn't tell the people around him because of what he almost he knew what the responses would be and avoiding and he uh, even if it could lead to help, he wanted to avoid any negative responses from the people around him uh, on being bullied, and then listening, and then by having him reflect on uh, on now, he wished he would have been more vocal about it because you know that bully then will never, you know, that bully successfully lived as a bully through his through that time of his life and um, could possibly show a blind eye to, to their offspring on bullying if it's something that they inherently got, got away with. And um, in showing that, applying this to mindfulness, mindfulness and bullying almost has to be being able to make the bully, the, the bully being mindful of their actions so they are aware of it in the moment and hopefully stop those tendencies of bullying as a, at whatever age they are. But when they when they grow up and because they become influence on children, they can then be more aware of what bullying looks like and how it actually affects the children around them and be able to intervene uh, more effectively. Yeah, hopefully that will happen for sure. Yeah. The next uh, questions I have for you are are part of the multi-mode round, Tim. So just Great. short 30, 30 second answers are perfect. So okay. here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Tim Ferriss. All right. I was just listening to him a few minutes ago. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I want to say it's made me more grateful person. It's enhanced my gratitude. That's the best way of putting it. It's, it's, uh, it's enhanced how much and what I can be grateful for. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. I, I try to take nice full breaths while I'm meditating. And on days where I'm very lethargic, I try to remind myself to take long, deep breaths to keep just to keep the lungs active, to keep the, the, the blood flowing. I personally have noticed the connection between um, being still and not, not a lot of movement with short, shallow breaths and my mood being negatively impacted by that. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be, Tim? Uh, Essentialism by Gregory McCown. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? Yeah, I use, what do I use? Insight Timer. Right, yeah, I like that one too. What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? The best advice I ever received, and it was from Tim Ferriss, is that mindfulness is not about trying to find some epiphany. And I think once you realize that meditation and mindfulness isn't the goal of those two things, that experiencing mindfulness is much easier. Yeah, I agree for sure. It's just it's just doing it every day and maybe not having huge expectations, just letting it happen. That's for yep. sure. Yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I was wondering if you would share with us what some of your other podcasts are that you work on as well and and also how we can connect with you or or uh, learn more about what you do 
Yeah, so my I think the podcast that I'm most well known for is the one we brought up earlier, the One Too Many Veteran Suicide podcast. Uh, the romantic comedy really isn't in uh, regular rotation anymore, but sort of a, fe- a special feature that we do probably once a quarter. Uh, a podcast that I just uh, launched last month is called Follow Your Spirits. It is a uh, it follows the Washington Spirit, which is the the local professional women's soccer team, and I decided to independently cover uh, them this season. Uh, and then Fuel for Warriors is a, is another one of my weekly shows where I interview military veterans, professional athletes, and other people that uh, resonate with the idea of being a warrior. We talk about challenges and inspiration. And uh, all of that can be found at lostinentertainment.com. And I'm on Twitter at TimLawson21 and very responsive on there if anybody wants to get a hold of me or collaborate. Well, thanks for all that you're doing to help people and you're communicating with people and and it's just fantastic. So keep up your great work, Tim. It's awesome to talk with you. Yeah, Bruce, thank you you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.